Growing in God's Word and learning how to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Prayer is a privilege that needs to be a priority in our walk with God. Can I get an amen? Prayer is a privilege that needs to be a priority in our walk with God. Praying, it's one of the fundamental practices of Christians. From the very beginning of our faith journey, we are taught to pray. So, here's a question for you. Why do so many people struggle to be consistent in their prayer life? We have to recognize the privilege of prayer so that prayer in our lives becomes a priority of our lives. Because we get to talk to the God of the universe, the creator, the one who spoke it all together, as the psalmist says in Psalm 8, when I consider the work of your hands, the moon and the stars which you have flung from your fingertips, what is man that you would be mindful of him? He waits for us to come and speak to him. Not because he needs us to, but because in his great love, he invites us to. Hello and welcome to Crosswalk. We're often running in a brand new year, and if 2018 is anything like 2017, we're in for quite a ride. And as followers of Jesus, we know that prayer is supposed to be an important part of our lives. But many people struggle to find the desire and time to pray. That's why we're kicking off 2018 with a brand new series entitled Pray 18. Over the next few weeks, Pastor Clay is going to teach us some basics on prayer from the life of someone who knew a thing or two about prayer, Daniel. Daniel found himself way out of his comfort zone, living in a strange land among a people with customs different from his own. But Daniel didn't let that stop him from praying to the only God that could help him in his situation. If ever anybody had an excuse for backing off on his prayer life, at least for a season, at least for 30 days, if anybody had a reason to back off, it was Daniel. As you'll hear as we go along in this series, Pray 18 is going to have some specific application for Cross Culture Church in 2018. But the principles of prayer that Pastor Clay will share with us are beneficial for everyone. Thanks for joining us. Now let's get started. Communication with God, can that get confusing? Can that, um, anybody ever been in a place where they're like, what in the world? I don't even know why I'm even trying to do this. I don't even know why I'm trying to communicate with God. I don't know why I'm praying. I don't don't even know what what this does. I I don't see anything happening. I don't seem to understand what God is saying or not saying or... uh, well, in order to deal with that and, and, and improve our prayer life, we're going to take the next four weeks or so, and we're going to spend some time looking at studying the subject of prayer. And we're going to take our cues from a guy who knew a little something about prayer, and his name is Daniel. If you have your Bibles with you, digitally, hard copy, whatever the case may be, open them to Daniel chapter 6 this morning. Daniel chapter 6. By the way, a few years ago, I don't remember how many, when it was now, but a few years ago, we spent over a year going through the entire book of Daniel. And I believe, uh, Rick could probably tell me this, or t- I believe that's available online, uh, that series, along with multiple other series, if you're interested in using something like that for your own personal study or group study or uh, study at work or something like that, uh, those studies are available. We spent over a year going through the entire book of Daniel the next uh, four weeks or so, we're just going to be looking at a specific part of the book of Daniel and looking to see what we can learn about our prayer life. Can I ask this question this morning? Do any of you, and you can, with a show of hands, do any of you feel like that you struggle at times in your prayer life? Anybody feel like they struggle in their prayer life? Being consistent or understanding what God is saying or not saying or what I'm supposed to do or, yeah, 
Most of us do. All right, uh, so we're going to look at it. Uh, Daniel chapter 6. I want to start with this idea, and I'm going to read the text as we go today. Uh, but I'm going to start with this idea. Here's the first thing, and, you get, and if you want to fill in blanks, you can do that on the back side of your information sheet. Prayer is a privilege that needs to be a priority in our walk with God. Can I get an amen? amen. Well, I'll get excited about that in a minute. Prayer is a privilege that needs to be a priority in our walk with God. I'm going to read uh, Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 through 10 this morning. Now, if you're not familiar with the story of Daniel, then I know I'm kind of jumping into the middle of this, but uh, ask your neighbor, maybe they can fill, fill it in for you. It's, if they can't, then turn to them and say, you don't... No, no. It seemed good to Darius to appoint 120 satraps over the kingdom, that they would be in charge of the whole kingdom. 120 governors, if you will, and over them, three commissioners, of whom Daniel was one that these satraps might be accountable to them and that the king might not suffer loss. And then this Daniel began distinguishing himself among the commissioners and the satraps because he possessed an extraordinary spirit and the king, watch this, planned to appoint him over the entire kingdom. I will tell you this about the background. Daniel is a slave. He's been brought from Israel after they've been conquered. He's been, he's been brought to this country, and he's a slave. And he has excelled, and God has blessed him. And he has risen to these 120 satraps, and, and then he's one of the three above the 120 satraps. And now God is going to make him, um, I mean, well, God, yeah, is doing this. But the, the king ultimately is going to make Daniel over all of these guys. Verse 4, then the commissioners and the satraps began trying to find a ground of accusation against Daniel in regard to government affairs. Somebody's not happy, are they, about Daniel's promotion? Y'all ever work with somebody who wasn't happy about your promotion? Y'all ever been unhappy about somebody else's promotion? That's all I'd ask. But watch this. But they could not find, listen to this, but they could not find, they could find no ground of accusation or evidence of corruption. Inasmuch as he was faithful and no negligence or corruption was to be found in him. And then these men said, we will not find any ground of accusation against this Daniel unless we find it against him in regard to the law of his God. Listen to what they know about Daniel. They may not like him, but they know where he stands, don't they? Then these commissioners and satraps came by agreement to the king and spoke to him as follows. King Darius, live forever. All the commissioners... Of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the high officials and the governors have consulted together, lie, they hadn't consulted with Daniel, that the king should establish a statute, statute and enforce an injunction that anyone who makes a petition to any god or man beside you, O king, for 30 days shall be cast into the lion's den. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it may not be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which may not be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document that is the injunction. Verse 10, Now when Daniel knew that this document was signed, he entered his house. Now in his roof chamber, he had windows open toward Jerusalem, and he continued, and he continued, and he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God, as he had been doing previously. Prayer 
is a privilege that needs to be a priority in our life. If ever anybody had an excuse for backing off on his prayer life, at least for a season, at least for 30 days, if anybody had a reason to back off, it was Daniel. Because listen, Daniel's not dumb. Daniel's not ignorant. Daniel's not uninformed. He knew what these guys were up to. He knew what they were trying to do. And how easy it would be to just, to just say, oh, you know, I, I just, you know, I'll take 30 days off just so I don't get in trouble with anybody. I didn't really agree with this thing about the king, but, you know, I'll just take 30 days off and, and won't, right? But listen, although not explicitly stated in the text, what becomes clear is that, is that prayer is a priority for Daniel. That, that this thing is such a privilege, the idea Think about it. The idea that you and I can converse with the creator of the universe. It's an astounding thing. That at any moment, any second, you can just you can say, hey, hey, Father. And you can begin to converse with the creator of the universe. It's, it's an, it is such a privilege. And because Daniel understood that the privilege that it was, Daniel made it the priority that it was, regardless of what it might cost him, the privilege of prayer created the priority of prayer in Daniel's life. Do you know what I'm saying? And that's what I'm saying to you and I, that, the, that we have to recognize the privilege of prayer so that prayer in our lives becomes a priority of our lives. Because we get to talk to the God of the universe, the creator, the one who spoke it all together, as the psalmist says in Psalm 8, when I consider the work of your hands, the moon and the fingers, the moon and the stars which you have flung from your fingertips, what is man that you would be mindful of him? And yet he waits For us to come and speak to him. Not because he needs us to. But because in his great love he invites us to. It is a privilege that should be a priority. Some of you who have uh, read my book. I get it. Available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. And I probably have a few thousand copies laying around somewhere. Those of you who have read my non-New York Times bestseller. May remember the story I tell in here, and I tell it in the introduction. I'm going to give you a brief uh, little part of it just to give an illustration of this idea of privilege that prayer is. But uh, if you've read my book, if you happen to read the introduction, I know sometimes people skip over it. But if you read the introduction, you know I tell this story about when I was in seminary, Cindy was the administrative assistant to the dean of students. Uh, and that meant, among other things, one of her responsibilities was to oversee the uh, pick up and the taking back to the airport of all the invited uh, speakers who would speak in chapel at Southeastern. Uh, I think three days a week we had chapel back then. And so uh, she had that responsibility, which then meant that her husband had the privilege of going and picking up uh, almost all of these uh, uh, gentlemen who were invited to speak uh, and to carry them back to the airport and all that sort of thing. Well, Charles Stanley was coming to speak at uh, Southeastern Seminary. Now, some of you may not be familiar with Dr. Stanley, uh, but Charles Stanley uh, is a a man who has impacted uh, the kingdom of God in the millions. He has a worldwide ministry, and uh, his television ministry is seen all over the world, and and just, it's a a big deal. It was a big deal, because he was coming to Southeastern, and he hadn't spoken in a seminary in a long time, and so he's coming. And so, if you go back and read the story, I I tell some other stuff, it's kind of funny how I ended up, because it was Charles Stanley, so Clay wasn't supposed to go pick him up. 
And so the way it all turned out, you know, as, as I like to put it, it must have been divine intervention. Because I go pick up, so I go pick up Dr. Stanley at the airport, and we're waiting at, at the carousel for his luggage, and we're just standing there, we're chatting, and there's this woman off in the distance, kind of off on the side that I can see, she's looking at us, you know, and she's, you can tell that she's like, is that who I, I think that is? Is that Clay Stevens? It's, no, 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 no. Is, is that, you can tell that she's got like, is that who I think it is? And so she comes over, and she says, Dr. Stanley? And he says, yes. And as soon as just yes is coming off his lips and tears are just streaming down this woman's face, just absolutely uncontrollable streams rolling down her face. And the next thing she says is, I just always wanted to meet the man who changed my life. That, that's the kind of impact that, that Charles Stanley has had on the world. Well, I take Dr. Stanley to the seminary. I, drop, I get him in his room. I get him situated. Uh, tell him when chapel is, all that kind of stuff, and uh, tell him looking forward to chapel tomorrow. And I turn around and I'm walking away, and he says, Clay, what am I supposed to do about dinner tonight? And I said, well, Dr. Stanley, it's my understanding that there's, there's a supporter, and I found out a very large supporter of his ministry that lived in Durham, and Dr. Stanley was supposed to have dinner with that uh, individual, him and his wife, that night. And so I said, Dr. Stanley, it's my understanding you're supposed to have dinner with a couple that uh, live in Durham that are supporters of your ministry. They're going to come and and get you, as my understanding. And he says, yeah, yeah, I think that's right. But I don't want to do that. I want to have dinner with you and your wife. Again, read the book. It's funny. The part to tell is funny. But anyway, so uh, I call Cindy. I said, get ready. We're having dinner with Charles Stanley. And so we, we, we had dinner. And we had, we had a wonderful time that evening. We had a wonderful dinner. had a wonderful uh, evening. Uh, and Dr. Stanley was very open and just... Uh, sharing about his life and about his ministry and, and interjecting these questions into my life, helping me to formulate what did I want ministry to be? What, what kind of pastor did I want to be? Why did I want to pastor? What, what was my objective in this? And what did God want to do through me? And I'll be forever grateful for the opportunity to, sh- to spend an evening and converse with someone who probably knows more about ministry than I could ever hope to know. But listen to me, it pales in comparison to the idea that I can speak to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the creator of the universe. At any second in my life, I can simply turn to him and say, Father, let, let, let me share my burden with you. Father, let me talk to you about this struggle I'm having. Father, let me, I got this question I got to have an answer for. Father, uh, can, can I just hang out in your presence? Father, can I just praise you and thank you? Can I just talk? It pales in comparison to the opportunity to do that. It is a privilege that needs to be a priority in our lives, ladies and gentlemen. And let me give you just a few passages of Scripture to deal with that. Matthew chapter 7, uh, verse 7. Ask, now listen to this. Why? Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Nah, I don't, nah, I'm busy. Right? If we, how about this one? Romans 12, there's a whole lot of stuff about the life of a Christian. But watch this. Do not be lazy, but work hard, serving the Lord with all your heart. Uh, be joyful because you have hope. Be patient when trouble comes. And what? Say it. Pray at all times. Pray at all times. Share with God's people who need help. Bring strangers in need into your homes. How about this one in uh, Colossians, I think, chapter 4. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. In other words, an attitude thanksgiving is always overseeing my prayer life to God. It's always in gratefulness, even in my confusion or my uncertainty or my doubts or my whatever. I'm still, but God, I'm, I'm grateful for who you are. I know you're on your throne, God. I'm th- that's my attitude, even as I'm pouring my heart out to him and hopefully learning how to listen when he speaks 
to me. Uh, 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5, pray without ceasing. And then uh, Paul again to Timothy, 1 Timothy 2, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. And obviously there are just literally probably thousands of texts that we could look at with this this call to pray. So here's my question for me, for you, for all of us. Why, if it's such, if it should be such a priority in our life, why do we sometimes treat prayer like, you know, you know how this is? Like taking bad medicine that just tastes bad, but you know you got to take it to make you feel better? Why do we treat prayer that way? What, think about it. If you had an opportunity to, to talk with Albert Einstein or Michael Jordan or some, whoever your favorite or most famous person is, we wouldn't want the conversation to end, would we? And yet, oftentimes, if we're, if we're honest with ourselves, we treat God like a telemarketer and try and figure out how we can get him off the line as fast as possible, right? Why is prayer always the first thing that's cut out of our busy schedules? And it is a busy schedule most of us live, right? Why is prayer the thing that's cut out? I put it to you that, that the primary reason is because we fail to realize the privilege that it is to get to pray, to converse with the living God. It's a privilege that ought to be a priority in our lives. And I'm praying that, that you are making some commitments. Say, God, in 2018, I want prayer to be a priority in my life. No matter what, no matter... And listen, when you make... Y'all already know this, most of you probably. But when you make commitments like that, watch out. Here comes the enemy, right? But it's worth it. It's worth it. Okay. So prayer is a privilege that ought to be a priority in our lives. Here's a second uh, idea today. Prayer is a priority that is pleasing to God. It's a priority that is pleasing to God. Let me read verse 10 again and then add verse 11 as well. Now, when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he entered his house. Now, in his roof chamber, he had windows open toward Jerusalem, and he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before God, as he had been doing previously. These men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and supplication before his God. Daniel continues on doing what he was doing, praying in just the same way he was doing, going into his house and opening the window. That wasn't new. That wasn't to, to keep it secret. That's how he prayed. And he continued in that pattern. And those men, isn't interesting, they knew. that. Listen, they're going, mm, mm. We have seen a lot in the news lately where uh, political parties, political opponents will do anything, right? Practically anything to dig up dirt on the other guy or gal, right? And, they, and, and these guys say, we're not going to find anything on this guy unless it has to do with his God. So they knew where he's going to be. They knew he wouldn't stop his prayer life because it was that much of a priority to him. They knew where to find him. And Daniel's there any, anyway. You know what that is? You know what that's called? That, ladies and gentlemen, is called faith. That's called faith, living and operating in faith. Because he knows the consequence of what he does. But, but by faith, and we all know, the writer of Hebrews says, without faith, it's impossible to what? Please God. You can't please God without faith. And so Daniel demonstrates his faith by saying, I don't care. It doesn't matter what they do or what they think or what they're up to. I'm going to go pray like I always pray. And, and, and I'm going to act in faith to do that. And that, ladies and gentlemen, that is pleasing to God. 
when you choose to operate by faith. In a practical example, when you choose to say, golly, man, I got to get out the door, uh, but I'm going to choose to spend 10 minutes with the Lord, 15 minutes with the Lord. I'm going to choose by faith to do this thing. It pleases God, again, not that he needs us to. We don't inform God of anything, right? We don't let him in on, God's not like, really? No, God knows everything, he's head of everything. We're not letting him know everything, but not because he needs us to, but because of in his love, he has, he has chosen to allow us to come into his presence and for it to actually be pleasing for him when his children come to him. Those of you who have children, you know exactly what that's like, right? When your children come to you. I don't know if Travis remembers this, but, and Travis remembers pretty much everything about our family. He tells us everything, and I'm like, I don't. But he remembers everything. I don't know if you remember this or not, but when Travis uh, turned 16 and can go get his driver's license... He didn't want his mom to go with him. He wanted me to go with him and get the driver's license. And I don't know if he remembers this or not, but Travis said, come on, Dad. It's what fathers and sons do. Now, I knew that he was just buttering me up and knew that I would let him, after he got his license, that I would let him drop me off and he'd be able to take the Jeep to school uh, where his mom probably would not uh, allow him to do that. And so, you know, I, I knew what was going on here. But you know what? It didn't matter. It's what fathers and sons do. It, it, it's what family does. It's, it's this desire to, to come and be, just, just be, just hang out. Because just, that's, that's what prayer is, ladies and gentlemen. I know we treat it like a checklist and, well, I've got to make sure God knows about this. I'm going to tell him about this and I want God to do this. And I want to, but, it, but it's about just being in his presence, choosing by faith to do that. And it pleases God when we choose to do it. It is a privilege that requires a priority. It is a priority that it's pleasing to God. Third, let me give you this one uh, this morning. Prayer that is pleasing to God requires the right position before God. Prayer that is pleasing to God requires the right position before God. Let me read it to you again, verse 4 and 5, and then the latter part of verse 10. Then the commissioners and satraps began trying to find a ground of accusation against Daniel in regard to government affairs, but they could not but they could find no ground of accusation or evidence of corruption inasmuch as he was faithful and no negligence or corruption was to be found in him. And then these men said, we will not find any ground of accusation against this Daniel unless we find it against him with regard to the law of his God. In the last part of verse 10, and he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God as he had been doing previously. Prayer that is pleasing to God requires the right position. And I'm not necessarily talking about uh, kneeling or not kneeling, head bowed or head not bowed, eyes closed or, or not closed. I, I'm not necessarily talking about those things are fine and, and good, but I'm talking about a, a, another type of position here. We see it in Daniel's life. We see him coming before God with clean hands. And they said, we, 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 we've been digging dirt for this guy for weeks. We can't find anything on this guy. We're not going to find anything on this guy. Daniel, Daniel, He's not skimming off. He's not going to skim off the top. He's not cooking the books. He's not, I mean, this, this dude is, is like, he's going to be the head dude other than the king. It's every opportunity in the world to take advantage of. And you know what? It would be so easy to say, by golly, I deserve this. I was carried off into slavery. I, wasn't doing, I know the nation of Israel rebelled against God, but I was living a godly life. And by all accounts, he was. And here I am, Why, God, this is not, I, this, here's what I want to see happen. Here's what I want to do, or I'm going to take this, or I've got, I'm in this position, so I'm going to take advantage of that. 
There's none of that with Daniel. Listen to me. Not so much, not so much because he wants to honor the king, but because he wants to honor the king of kings and the Lord of lords. That's why. Hey, there's a little lesson in there for all of us in that workplace where you are. You may love your job. You may hate your job. But I got news for you. You don't work for the company that you work. You don't work for the company that signs your check. Not ultimately. You work for the Lord God Almighty. And if you arrive at work and say, God, today I want to honor you. I want to be the best employee I can be. I want to be the best boss, the best supervisor, the best uh, whatever it is that you do. I want to be the very best at it that I can be. Not necessarily because this company deserves it. They do me right. They do me wrong. They did this. They did that. Whatever. God, but you deserve for me to be the best I can be. And so I want to honor you in this. See, that, that's, it requires the right position. So here's what Daniel teaches us. Let me, let me do it. Here's what Daniel teaches us. There must be a position of purity. No, no skimming off the top, no taking it. Well, I could do that, or I could punch out, or, or I could, none of that. So no, this is my, I'm going I'm to live my life in a way that is going to be above board so that nobody can make an accusation uh, that of some wrongdoing. Uh, I, I'm going to honor God with this. Listen, that's what we have to do in our lives. And if we don't, listen, if we're not in a position of purity, in other words, living a life of holiness, based on the moral standard of holiness that God has set. Not that I've set, not that cross-culture church has set, not that the community has set or the culture at large has set, but the moral standard that God has set, I'm going to live my life by that moral standard. That is an absolute prerequisite to having your prayers heard and responded to. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? What is it that James says? James chapter 5, verse 16, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man is effective. It could be person, but of a righteous, a right standing, a person who is living their life as best they know how. We're not talking about perfection here. I think you guys understand that. Nobody would qualify and no prayers would be heard. We're not talking about perfection, but we are talking about purity. And if you want your prayers to be heard and responded to, that's how you have to live your life. Let me give you an example in uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, real quickly. You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker. Wait. Since she is a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. Finish that with me. So that your prayers will not be hindered. Don't get caught up on the someone weaker idea, okay? Peter is not insulting women. Peter is not saying that men are superior to women. In fact, he calls women a fellow or joint heir with men. Listen, that would have been an absolutely radical concept back then to say that they're they're joint heirs with us. They're exactly the same in, in in our relationship to God. He's not insulting women. He's simply stating an a, a obvious truth. As a general rule, the physical Male body is bigger and stronger than that of the female body. As a general rule, men are bigger and stronger than women. As a general rule, husbands are bigger and stronger than their wives. Although, there's a few women I've seen at the gym that I wouldn't want to run into in a dark alley. But as a general rule, men are bigger and stronger than women, physically speaking. And so Peter's saying, don't think because you're in a position to take advantage of your wife. And you could. You could mistreat her. You could, you could uh, abuse her. You could do whatever these things are. He says, don't think that just because you can do that, that, that there's not going to con- be a consequence for that. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you better understand the way you treat your wife absolutely hinders, can hinder your, your relationship with God and how God hears your prayers. I know we tend to think of moral issues as things like 
sexual activity outside of biblical guidelines or, or getting drunk or stealing. And, and obviously those things have no place in a person in a relationship with Jesus Christ. But listen to me. The way I treat my wife can be a moral issue. And the way my wife treats me can be a moral issue. And we can think of lots of other things that can be moral issues in our lives. The point is, we have to be in a position of purity in our lives if we want God to move. Purity must be a part of our position before God. I want you to keep that in mind in 2018. Okay? Here's the other part of the position. Not only a position of purity, but there must be a position of humility. Again, and I said it a moment ago, Daniel could have been crying, this is not fair, there's no reason I'm having to go through this, I didn't do anything wrong. Uh, and I've, listen, I've known people, and maybe you've known people who have become obstinate, arrogant, demanding before God. I've known people like that. It's like, I mean, God, God, I, I, God's got to do something in this. Not Daniel. I, I know I said it's not about the physical position, but in the text there we just read, Daniel is on his knees in, in, a, in a position of complete humility before God. And he has risen through the ranks. He's been carried off unjustly. Now he's risen through the ranks. Now he's about to come second only to the king. But there's nothing but humility in Daniel's life. That is an absolute prerequisite for our lives. Okay? Got to be there. Let me give you the ultimate model. And we'll get ready to kind of wind this thing up. Who obviously is Jesus. Philippians chapter 2. The apostle Paul says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with what? Humility of mind. Regard one another as more important than yourselves. I, I'm telling you, I, I know we're not perfect, no, we'll get it all right all the time, but that's, that's part of what makes this fellowship special. To, to regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And you and I, even in eternity, I think for all millennia, you and I can ponder it and we will never know the act of humility that it took for the creator of the universe to, to lay down his life on the cross and take all the shame, all the suffering, all the sin that every single one of us are guilty of and responsible for for him to take that, the one who knew no sin, to become sin on our behalf. Absolute humility. That's what our prayer lives require for us. Absolute humility. The opposite of that, of course, is pride. And you probably already know this, but pride doesn't go over too well with God. Look at what Job says, Job chapter 35. And when they cry out, God does not answer. Why? Because of their pride. It will absolutely hinder our prayer lives. And it sneaks in, boy, it sneaks in easier than you think. Uh, Proverbs uh, chapter uh, 16 says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before stumbling. Listen, Samuel Chadwick uh, said this. I want to read you this quote. The one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, mocks at our wisdom, but trembles when we pray. That's the truth. I can assure you, if he knows about it, Satan is not pleased with a message that focuses on prayer. He's not pleased with your minds being open to the concept, you know what, he's right. My prayer life is not what it needs to be, and it needs to be a priority of my life because it is a privilege in my life. 
And it does, it, it does please God when I do this. And, and, it, and I do have to be in this position of humility before God, this position of purity before God, because I want to see God move and do things in my life and in the life of our fellowship. Uh, look at this quote from uh, John Henry Jowett. I'd rather teach one man to pray than ten men to preach. And that is why we're going to spend uh, the next four weeks, I'm going to spend the next four weeks preaching about prayer to help all of us come to a better understanding of the priority that it must be in our life and what God can do in and through our prayer life if we, if we allow Him to do this work in our lives. If we want to experience God's power working in our individual lives or in the life of our church, we have to make prayer a priority. As Pastor Clay reminded us today, it's a privilege to get to pray to the Creator of the universe. And because it's a privilege, then it certainly should be a priority for our lives. God is pleased when we demonstrate our faith and trust in Him. But as we saw in Daniel's life, our position before God must be one of purity and humility. If it is, then we can expect to see God do great things in 2018. We invite you to join us on a Sunday morning at Cross Culture Church. We gather each week in a casual and contemporary atmosphere and celebrate the goodness of our God. Cross Culture may be a little different from what you're thinking. Sure, we're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. A community of believers where Jesus is revealed in the lives of each person. Real people who truly care. Solid biblical teaching from Pastor Clay Stevens. And the most energetic, safe, and fun kids program around. Find out more at crossculturelife.org. I want to lead you to the cross. I want to lead you to the cross. Cross Culture Church in North Rollins. Taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross.